I started taking all my intimate garments. So I was using my bras and my panties and my scarves and then started using some lingerie. And, and I started hanging them and moving them and getting in close to them and creating these compositions that really felt a lot like my guts, my innards, my inner soul. And that was the whole series I started which changed my whole way of looking at my work. Hi, this is Sarah with another episode of Materially Speaking, where artists and artisans tell their stories through the materials they choose. Today, Mike Axon and I take a tiny road up the hillside on the Carrara side of Pietrasanta to find Janice Melman. Janice is a New York photographer who divides her time between Pietrasanta and Brooklyn and shares her life with her husband, the sculptor Ron Melman. Her long, narrow glass-walled studio is perched halfway up the steep garden of her home. Inside, many of her abstract photographs hang on the walls or are leaning in frames against the table leg. There is printing equipment, photographic paper and a pile of proofs stacked on the table. A workbench heaves with a cornucopia of materials in every colour and texture. We see swimwear, hats, netting and fluorescent wrapping, all glittering in the morning sun. We ask Janice to introduce herself I'm Janice Melman, and I'm a photographer, and I'm also a professor of art in City University in New York. And I've been a photographer for many years. I'm mostly an artist photographer, so I make photographs that derive from reality, but I create a kind of abstraction in my work, always looking at light and shadow and geometry and illusion. Can you tell us where we're sitting now? Well, you're currently in my beautiful studio in Pietrasanta, sort of tucked into the mountain, and I have all of my work around me. So there's light pouring in the window, and I really do work with light, and my photographs emanate light. So you can look around and see a sample of my career as a photographer, and there's almost a little history here. So I have photographs from 30 years ago that are in black and white, and silver prints, and all the way to things that I did six months ago that are large pigment prints printed by me, 30 by 40 inches. And I see behind you some intriguing piles of stuff. Can you tell us about your materials? So when I began as a photographer, I photographed mostly in black and white existing architecture, and I found light and shadow and geometry and spaces beyond and a kind of a mystery in the existing architecture. At a certain point, I started to work with existing objects and it began using ripped paper and elements of paper with light coming through them and ultimately it moved to other objects. And so behind me is a whole slew of objects that I've been finding more recently. Let's go over and have a look at them. Let's go look at the objects. So my objects that I put into my photographs, so they're kind of like still lives. I use existing things. And so what I'm looking at right here are some beaded purses and some Christmas glass crystal balls that you might hang on a Christmas tree 
and I have some glassware with interesting shapes in them, and I have a very iridescent purse that is in plastic where you can see through it and it creates shadows. So I have a whole slew of objects in front of me, and when I want to make a photograph, the light pours into my window. I always use natural light, and I kind of manipulate by moving the objects around, and then it's my point of view that I get into the objects where I create a kind of beautiful, luminous abstraction. This window, is that crucial for you? I mean, you said that you work with natural light, so it seems as if this window is almost part of your work process. At a certain time of day in this studio, the light pours through this window, and I work with a desk that I have my objects and I will arrange them. But it doesn't have to be this window. I go upstairs on the patio upstairs and bring objects with me. I have light pouring in my New York window when I'm in Brooklyn. When I'm in Italy and I'm in Pietrasanta and I want to photograph from indoors, the light pours in between 4 and 6 p.m. and I come up and I look at what the light is doing and I move things around and maybe I'll pull something in and pull something out, try to find new things to put into my compositions, and that's how the window relates to my work. You kind of moved in on some objects, and it's like almost like you were seeing a photograph. What is it that makes you decide that, okay, this is going to be an interesting work or photograph? I'm looking at spatial relationships, and I'm looking at what the light and shadow is doing. So sometimes it won't even be something that I'm thinking about, because I'm not a painter, and I'm not a sculptor. I can't look at a blank canvas and put something on it. What I do is I look around and find things, and then I make my art. So if suddenly the light is hitting some of these objects in a certain way, I get excited, I come in and I start creating compositions. I may move an object a little bit here and there and change the position to get that kind of depth and look beyond. My photographs are kind of magical. So the light has to create magic. And when there's magic, I know it. And then I go and I make the photograph. So if you move three inches to the left, the magic wouldn't be there. 100%. Exactly. It's exactly the point at which I'm finding that magical moment. Photography is really, for me, about capturing the moment. And historically, when photographers like uh, Cartier-Bresson, it was all about the decisive moment. But they were talking about people and what people were doing in the decisive moment. For me, it's also a decisive moment, but it's about what the light is doing. So mine, you talk about materiality, it's about what the light does to the texture, what the light does to the ambiance. My whole life now, there's a lot of mystical kind of quality to my thinking. And I'm thinking about like otherworldliness and what happens after this life and things like that. That's really interesting. So how has your work changed over the past, say, 10 years then? I'll explain my steps from reality to abstraction. I started looking at architecture and then I would go out and find things. So I'm out in Pietrasanta photographing a construction site, and the light is coming in, and I make this beautiful photograph of light pouring through a construction site. I'm now in my studio, and I'm printing that photograph, making a little proof, and I don't like the quality of the proof. I throw it in my trash bin. And then I turn around, and I look at the trash bin, and the light is hitting the trash bin where the shadows of this mesh trash bin is on this folded photograph. And I'm like, oh, my God, i got to get my camera. And so it was like three steps from reality to create abstraction. And that was probably the first time I started working with objects. I had always been a photographer and never thought of myself as a woman photographer. 
But when I turned a certain age, I started thinking about myself. What would I do as a woman photographer? I want to look inwards. I want to think about my sensuality, my sexuality as a woman of a certain age. I'm not going to tell you that age. Very young. But at any rate, I started taking all my intimate garments. So I was using my bras and my panties and my scarves and then started using some lingerie. And I started hanging them and moving them and getting in close to them and creating these compositions that really felt a lot like my guts, my innards, my inner soul, and somewhat sensual. And my mother had recently passed away. And here we're looking at a photograph that I did using one of my bras with some of the glassware that I had gotten from my mother's estate and putting it together. And they're very sensual and very seductive images. And that was the whole series I started, which was 10 years ago, changed my whole way of looking at my work. I started like doing a series like whatever I buy that's really going to be great in my work has to fit me. So I found these amazing shoes. They're like silver shoes. I see them, yeah. pink silver shoes. They're kind of Cinderella shoes. Cinderella shoes that they had to be my size. And if they were my size, I'd wear them once and then they go into my work. It's like a self-portraiture with the idea that these items of clothing, they have to fit you. Yes, that's super interesting. The work has always reflected whatever is going on in my mind or whatever is going on around me. So during COVID, I'm like locked up. What am I going to do? How do I make work that's something to do with COVID, you know? And so I started working with these rich glassware, and I bought Corona beer bottles because coronavirus, and I put them into these ridged glasses, and I started making these photographs, and they kind of look like lungs filling up with fluid. I mean, they're very beautiful. Is this one here? This is one right here. And um, you can see that here it says Corona, 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 Corona in the right-hand glassware, but it also looks like a lung full of fluid. I did this beautiful photograph and I had it in an exhibition and someone came over to me and said, do you see a portrait down here with a mask? It's almost like a silhouette with an eye and a nose and a mask and a little beanie cap. Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, I never saw that when I made the photograph, but how weird is that, that like this woman got into my photograph in a mask during COVID? I mean, it was just these crazy things, little surprises that happen. So I did a whole series of COVID and I did one piece called Follow the Yellow Brick Road and it was belts and various ribbons and it felt like I was Dorothy and I just wanted to get home. It's beautiful, yes. Self-portrait, it's always about what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and the time I'm living in and my reaction to whatever it is. But I hope to make something that other people have a similar kind of reaction to. Because it's a dialogue, it's a conversation. My work should be a conversation, lead to a conversation. Can you tell us more about this series that you did during COVID? So we have the Corona one and... That one that you're looking at there also has the Corona beer bottles in it. Oh yes, I can see the logo. It feels like an explosion. And everything is just getting out of control and it's just going everywhere. And so... My work has always been controlling that explosion. So there's a geometry, there's like keeping everything within that rectangle. I'm very, very involved with a kind of balance. And so 
if you look at that photograph, you see that there's this explosion, but it's contained. So I think it's my way of holding it all together. I mean, if I'm in a sad state, something's going on, I always go to work because I can get out of it by working. And then hopefully I create something from that chaos. About work in response to adversity, you told me about a trip you took, which ended up in Chicago. I'm a person that turns every disadvantage into an advantage. That's like my policy in life. And I've had a lot thrown at me. So this was just a small example. I had to go to a wedding in Chicago from Pisa, from Pietrasanta. And so at seven o'clock in the morning, we left to the airport and we got there at 7.30 and my flight didn't exist. There was just no sign of the flight that I booked. There were 15 of us standing in the airport and nobody to help us and nothing. So of course I got on my computer because I was determined to get to Chicago within that day. I had a wedding the next day. So I got on my computer. I found a flight that might get me to Chicago through Florence to Paris. So we drove to Florence. I called Delta. They booked me on it. I'm not going to go through all the details, but we missed the flight. They then took me to Bologna. I spent 36 hours getting from Pisa to Chicago. I was in six airports during COVID, by the way, so you can, and with a sprained ankle. So they were moving me around with a wheelchair. It was the trip from hell. Could not have possibly been any worse. I got to Chicago at 11.30 in the morning the following day. This is 36 hours after I left my house in Pietrasanta exhausted, worn out, angry, miserable, dirty, unhappy, and with a sprained ankle. So this lovely young lady comes and gets me at the airplane to wheel me to the taxi and to get my luggage. And we come out into the terminal of United in Chicago. And it is the most beautiful space I've ever been in, ever. And I'm um, looking at these colors and looking at this architecture and looking at this space. And I think, I have to get my camera. I have to get out my camera. How do I do this? I'm in a wheelchair. This girl has her job to take me to a taxi. So listen, if I give you a little money, would you just give me an hour of your time to wheel me around so I can make some photographs? Because you're a photographer. I'm a photographer too. I couldn't have found the better girl. She was fabulous. Well, I ended up spending two hours and I made nine amazing photographs in those two hours. I'm having all kinds of accolades from this series. They are so beautiful. It's like the best work I've done this year. And that was from that horrible 36 hours. And what's the series called, Janice? It's called Come Fly With Me. <laughs> I think I'm coming with you. There you go. <laughs> and also, every one of the images has a title that would have been an advertisement for one of these airlines. They all have different slogans for Delta or TWA or, you know, over the years. Can you tell us a little about how you interact with your audience? The funny thing about my work all the years 
is it attracts all kinds of different people. I had an experience in Bogota. My most important show that I ever had was at the Museum of Modern Art in Bogota, Colombia. And it was a, a modern art museum in a city of 8 million people. I mean, it was super exciting. And I had a whole floor. And they made an opening. And I only knew 10 people in all of Bogota. My opening was packed with young people. And I was curious as to why it was that these young people were coming over to me and telling me how they just loved my work and how it moved them. And, and so I was asking somebody young, because I do teach and I have students, what do you think it is about my work that attracts all these young people? And they said, you know what? You embrace new technology. And young people are very attracted to new technology. It was very exciting for me when we went from black and white silver prints to digital photography. It's interesting because you're a photographer, so how does Photoshop fit into that? Obviously it's Photoshop, but how do you use Photoshop? Okay, I really try to be true to my picture. I don't like things that are highly manipulated. To me, what I love about photography is you're photographing something that exists in reality. I don't really want to change that. How I use Photoshop is the way I use the darkroom. I bring out and enhance the blacks. I work with the color. I just try to make the best of the photo that I can make. You know, I teach photography, and what I try to tell my students is, yeah, you can make a great picture, but presentation is 40%. So 60% is getting that moment, making the picture. But then how you present the picture, which has to do with giving it the right contrast, giving it the right pizzazz, giving it the right you know, boom. So it bounces off the wall and calls people in to say, hey, come look at me. I've never actually asked you this personally either, but, but where are you from exactly? I'm from Brooklyn, New York, from a little place called Canarsie. And it was far away from Manhattan. And the goal in life was to get to Manhattan. So we just wanted to get out of Canarsie. Like Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> it was about getting out of Canarsie. I don't want to disparage anything or anyone. I had the most wonderful family, but I was raised in a room that had a burst of color anywhere you looked. I had a red shag carpet and flowers on the ceiling, on the walls. And so when I started photographing, my work was completely minimal in black and white. It was like, get rid of the color. I had to minimalize everything. My early work was so simple and geometric. And as time went on, I started bringing color back into my life and can incorporate flowers and color and all of this stuff. But it was a passage. Well, like know? they say, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Another thing you had asked, well, you didn't ask, but how did I start making photographs? So I started college as a psych and computer major. And then after like three semesters, I started to study art because I always loved making things. And I love to draw. So I'm drawing on the subway faces, very attracted to people and faces. And then I see somebody that has these photographs that they made, and I think, I should take a photography class. So I start photographing because I want to photograph faces. And so now I'm capturing people and I'm really great at it. I mean, the minute I put a camera in my hands, my teachers knew that I got it. 
And my teacher said, you have to be a photographer. So I'm putting you in the graduate program. And he literally walked me to an office where the next semester I was getting my MFA in photography. And I was really a kid and I was like lost. All these professionals were coming back for their master's degrees and here I didn't even have a darkroom. So I learned everything about the history of photography in three minutes. I built a darkroom and in that, Somehow or another, I started moving beyond people. And then I started looking at architecture and then light. Where were you at school? Brooklyn College. Great education. Have you got any advice for your younger self? Actually, I think I do. I think I would tell myself, take every opportunity. Always say yes. Early on, I had an exhibition in Paris. And they said that this reviewer for this important photo magazine wanted to come see the work. And I said, oh, have him come tomorrow because we're just setting everything up. And of course he never came. So the thing was to say, absolutely have him come now. I'll pull the work out unframed. Don't miss an opportunity. Never miss an opportunity. That was a mistake. Do it now. So thanks to Janice Melman. You can see her work on her website, janismelman.org, or on Instagram at janismelman. As always, you can find photographs of the work discussed today on our website, materiallyspeaking.com, and on Instagram at materiallyspeakingpodcast. Thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying Materially Speaking, please subscribe to our newsletter on our website so we can let you know when the next episode goes live. Thank you.